Welcome to the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. If you are a teacher or administrator looking to change careers, you are in the right place. There can be many reasons an educator is ready to leave the classroom. Boredom, burnout, pressure from parents and administrators, the list goes on and on. If you are ready to move on from teaching, there are many roles in which you can use your teacher skill set to have a positive social impact and set yourself up for a fulfilling and rewarding career. Now, let's meet your host, Carrie Conover. Carrie is a veteran educator and EdTech corporate leader turned founder and CEO. So grab your notepad because your new journey outside the classroom starts right now. Hello friends, it is Carrie Conover and it is time to tell another success story coming straight from classroom to boardroom. Thank you so much for joining us as a listener today. I hope you are doing well, whether you are still in the classroom working and teaching every day, or you have left the classroom and you're looking for your first job right now, wherever you are in your process, wherever you are in your journey I am so grateful you are here with us today. If you don't know me, I'm Carrie Conover, the host of this podcast and the creator and founder of Classroom to Boardroom. Before we get started with today's guest, I want to make sure that you're connected with me on TikTok, you're connected with me on LinkedIn, you're connected with me on Instagram. So you can just search my name, Carrie Conover, and you should be able to find me on all of those platforms. On Instagram, I am Conover underscore com. On LinkedIn, it's just LinkedIn and Carrie Conover, my name. And of course, you can always find out anything about Classroom to Boardroom and all of my programs over at carrieconover.com. Today's guest is one of our first success stories out of Classroom to Boardroom. Today, I am welcoming Cindy Baldacchini, and she is now working for Code HS. Cindy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Did I get your last name right? That's the important thing. Yes, you did. Okay. Absolutely. I was telling Cindy that I always have the names right. And then as soon as I hit the record button, my brain goes into panic mode because I really try to make sure I say everyone's names correctly. So that is very important to me. Cindy, uh, we were talking before I hit the record button and it's been a little while since we've caught up. I'm so glad you're here because I think you have such an interesting interesting story to tell. So Cindy started her career in the private sector working for HP. Then she started a nonprofit, went into teaching, and now she's back in the private sector. So talk about like full circle moment here. Cindy is a mom, a grandmom, and a beach lover. Some of her favorite things to do are hiking, trying new restaurants, and traveling. Cindy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I really am excited. Loved my experience with classroom to boardroom. So ask me anything. Okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. that's well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's start off, Cindy, with why don't you tell us the general story of your career? I just did a high level, but go ahead and, and fill us in a little with a little more details. Yeah, sure. So I realized uh, that I am a serial starter and that I love um, new initiatives. I worked at an internal startup at HP 
way back in the 90s and we did software internationalization. So getting software ready for the non-US market, which was a big deal back then. When I left, um, another HP and I started a nonprofit called A Leg Up for Kids, which donated specially designed and manufactured strollers for kids on mechanical ventilators. And after that technology progressed far enough that they didn't need our strollers anymore, I went into teaching. I taught uh, chemistry and physics for one year, and then I taught uh, kindergarten through sixth grade everything. <laughs> Homeroom, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. I taught fifth grade math, and then I taught K to six STEM, coding, science. Um, it was really great. Last spring, I transitioned from that to CodeHS to start writing computer science and interdisciplinary curriculum. I love this full circle that you've come around to. And I love how you, and we'll d dive into this a little bit more, but your journey through classroom to boardroom and your journey back into kind of corporate America um, really was about you being a serial starter, but also you believing in yourself and being able to look at your past experiences and really showcase those in the process of interviewing, um, which I think is just absolutely amazing. Oh, well, thanks. You're welcome. Um, okay, so let's get started a little bit. How did you know that you wanted to do something other than teaching after you had taught high school and K-6 and all these different things? What was the final nudge that said, hey, I think I'm going to go back and do something other than teaching? Well, for me, teaching was always about the aha moment with kids. So like something's really hard and they're struggling and then they get it. And the pandemic showed me that the world was changing quickly and that the way children were ingesting information, especially information related to math and science and coding, which is my background. Um, so I wanted, I missed being in tech and I missed being kind of where the action is and where something new is being created to fill a need. So a lot of states have recently passed laws requiring computer science standards. They must be taught now K to 12 instead of six to 12. So I wanted to be back on that frontier. And the group I'm in is a startup within a startup. <clears throat> so definitely a frontier. So I have to ask this question every time. Yeah. Did you, um, so I know you had changed a lot and there was a lot of change going on. You were switching oh, positions. Yes. I remember us talking about that and, um, you were really, things were seeping into your personal life a little bit, right? Like your personal time. And, mm -hmm. and so when you made that decision to change, did you feel guilty about it or were you like, okay, you started to see those things happening and that those things were wearing you out? Kind of talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, really. Um, it became a sort of a health and happiness issue. I do feel guilty. I live, in, I live and work in a very small town. I used to ride my bike to work. Ooh. I have students who are my next door neighbors. I had a fifth grade math class that was coming up that I had been looking forward to teaching math for a really long time because I had known them for so long. And I did feel a little bit guilty, but not in terms of it would change my mind. I left in April, so I left before the end of the school year. And if I could have 
stayed till the end of the school year, I don't think I would have felt guilty at all. I think I was ready. I had changed grades and started new programs um, every year, actually, <laughs> for what, six or seven years. So some guilt, but not too much. I don't know about you. I've talked about this on the podcast, but I feel very, no one ever challenged. I'm always waiting for someone to be like, are you pulling teachers out of the classroom? We have a teacher shortage, blah, blah, blah. I've never been challenged on that. So this is all up in my own head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel so proud of the 10 years I spent teaching and I gave a decade of my life to that profession. Yeah. And it was okay that it was time for me to walk away. Right. And I kind of sense that with you, like you had, you were like, I gave this time, I did a really good job, but it's time for me to get a new challenge. It, I think that really summarizes it well. Yeah. It was time for me to do something different. Yeah. And I, I'm thrilled that I still landed in an ed tech company. So I'm yeah. still contributing to learning, Yep. but yeah, it was time. And I did love teaching, you know, I loved it. Well, but it was time. Like Code HS needs educators like you. They can't just go hire someone that's never worked in schools. They need someone like you that has the experience that you've had. Like we need yeah. educators in ed tech companies. We need that. We do. And we need people who understand the stress that teachers are under, especially mm-hmm. if you're a general homeroom teacher and now your state requires you to teach another subject that you didn't have to teach. Yes. Yes. And so I would love to help those teachers like here, let's make something to make your life easier. I'm going to throw something on you uh-huh. <laughs> you can edit this out if you don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to stop and talk a little bit about our age because yes. I do get a lot of people that are saying, I'm too old. I've been teaching for too long. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I always say, we had a cluster of classroom to boardroom people that were in their forties, fifties, right at 60-ish, they got jobs all at the same time. So I just want to point that out, that neither you and I are, you know, still in our 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I am not in my 20s. And I I just, I love that you are a great example of that you can have a lot of wisdom and experience and some years out under your belt and still break into the ed tech industry. Yes. And I would like to point one thing out that helped though. And it is true that I got a fantastic job, even at my age, as we say, but I had been doing side passion projects, paid and unpaid, yeah. with companies that were passionate about the things I was passionate about. Yeah. So I had very recent, in fact, concurrent experience on my resume, and I was able to use the founders from one of those startups as one of my references. So I do think if you're a teacher and someone with a some lot of years of experience, having a passion project, having a project where you are still creating new material in the pro, in the private sector outside of school can make a huge difference. I built this course, Finding Your Focus. It's on my mm-hmm. website now. And I don't talk about this course a lot because I'm always talking about classroom to boardroom, but finding your focus is about like, if you want to start a blog, a podcast, if you want to start selling content to teachers, a course, you can take this. um, It's kind of like a Kickstarter course to get you going and get you focused in the right direction. Oh, okay. Like do having a podcasting is a lot more work than people want, but I'm always like, 
go to Squarespace and pay, it's like a hundred dollars to get a, a website for a year and mm-hmm. you get a domain for like 10 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. Just create in that space and write and start blogging. And it, it doesn't have to be super fancy. And then you can start writing. Let's say you, you talk a lot about SEL, right? And you write about mm-hmm. it a lot and tips for teachers. You can start reaching out to SEL companies and say, hey, I have this blog. I would love to be a guest blogger. Do you have yeah. any projects I can help you with? You know, mm-hmm. start making a social media presence. I think those mm-hmm. are the things that keep you tied into what's going on outside yeah. of schools. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can do it as podcasts. You can also do it as pilot projects. If there's a product you love, um, you know, I loved mystery science. Uh, the founders were debating a new product and I got to user test it in my classroom. Yep. We spent a few months with some other teachers helping them, you know, curate it and create it and then test it. And so my kids in the classroom got things out of it. I got things out of it. And the companies get things out of it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this journey. So how did you go from teaching then and go about finding this first job outside of the classroom? So I I had started sort of dipping my toe in the, in the pond about a year earlier through some of these passion projects. And... One was with Mr. Science, the other one was Queeby. Um, this other one was with endangered diamondback terrapins. And I was very selective <laughs> um, about where I applied. I did update my LinkedIn and my resume almost immediately. And I worked with a storyteller. So this was a woman who helped sort of craft my story because my experience was over so many decades and in so many different fields. You know, it helped to solidify my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I had that and I had a cohesive pitch, I, I started interacting more on LinkedIn. I started sending out, I sent out, I think a total of 10 or 11 resumes, not a lot of resumes, yeah, <laughs> but, but they were very selected Yeah, and started with classroom to boardroom, courtesy of one of your alumni. Um, and that pushed me over the, over the finish line. Well, but it was really a, a process of figuring out what I had to say and then saying it in the best way possible. Well, the storytelling is important. And the storytelling on your resume is, right, the stuff at the top of your resume should be the most dense. And then as you sure. go down your work and experience, it'll right. be less dense. You don't need as much info, right? Mm-hmm. And if you right. as a teacher can in any way add something above your teaching experience. Right. Because when you, when, even with me, when I'm doing some recruiting work and I'm looking mm-hmm. for candidates, if I look and the only thing I see is fifth grade teacher with bullet points, I know what a fifth grade teacher does. I'm like, okay, they're a teacher. They have teaching experience. What can exactly. you put above that? Like you were talking about. Yeah, that's where I put Queeby. Yes. Queeby. That's where I put Queeby. And- like anything that you can put above that teaching experience mm-hmm is will shoot you up the ladder into the top of the pile. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's fun. It's fun to do. It's fun to be working with other people. Yeah. And it gets you outside of your four classroom walls or your school walls to see what else is going out, going on out there in the ed tech world. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back on your career so far, um, and, and really about 
you know, in the last six months um, or so, how do you think you've grown or changed the most professionally now? So much. (laughs) So many tools. Um, I would say to people who are transitioning, you know, don't underestimate the tools. Be a quick learner. And if you're not quick, do it at night. (laughs) Um, Transitioning back into sort of a corporate mode was easier. Just communicate, you know, Slack, Asana, all of these communication tools getting really quick with coding. You know, I had to get, I had to really improve my coding skills. Yeah. So it's been a big change. But a good one, I can tell. Yeah, very good. Um, Tell us about your company you're working for right now and just your day-to-day responsibilities. Yeah. So I work in the curriculum group, elementary curriculum group for CodeHS. It's a startup within um, a like 10-year-old company. They've been doing sixth through 12th grade coding curriculum for the last 10 years. We are a self-directed group where, you know, we'll have tasks assigned to us and then get it done. You know, quarterly goals, longer term projects. Um, Yeah. It's just very self-directed. A lot of, um, like I mentioned, a lot of coding because that's what we're creating. And then creative things, you know, coming up with new lessons. What would a third grade math teacher need? for example. Yeah. And are you as stressed, less stressed, working more, working less? Oh, so much less stressed, <laughs> much healthier. Um, and I am working maybe about the same right now, Okay, but it's becoming more, it's as I become more efficient, the work is becoming shorter. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference with teaching. As I became more efficient, there was another subject added or another grade added. So yeah. for me, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Whereas in, in corporate, as you get more efficient and better at your job, you start opening up opportunities for uh, promotions or cross-team collaborations that like, it's, it's a different yeah. kind of workload that comes onto you and mostly- mm-hmm. Usually you get recognized for that or compensated for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were um, not an original classroom to board remember, but you got in there um, kind of on the earlier side after I had launched and some people had already transitioned out. I know you mentioned that an alumni had recommended you to the program. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how the program helped you make this transition and helped you really get that job that your dream job outside of the classroom? Yeah, sure. So uh, the course and the coaching sessions were both really helpful. Um, You reviewed my resume during the first group coaching call because no one else volunteered. And (laughs) I thought, well, I might be new here, but no one else is going to ask her to review the resume. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, you know, folks have a a nice thick skin if you're going to ask for feedback, but (laughs) it was great. Super helpful. Um, and helped me to refocus. So that was great. And then I went through the course in one long weekend, which I know is not ideal, but I had been a manager once in my life and I was very motivated. Yep. <laughs> um, when I applied to Code HS, I actually reviewed the course materials. It helped me prep for the interview, questions and answers, um, you know, helped with the negotiation for a salary and you're, you, you spoke to me, actually. I called you. Yes. And that was great. 
Yeah. Cause you so, were, you had some tricky things, not tricky, but some more complex things to navigate, um, in your salary negotiation. So I was very happy to help you with that and listen and, um, yeah, I did through that process. I did. And, um, and it was great. So the materials and just being able to be on the phone calls, you know, having, yeah. having that network. The materials, it's interesting. I've been getting a lot of people on social media that are like, do you do one-on-one coaching? And I'm mm-hmm. like, one-on-one coaching is something you can get at a discounted rate in addition to right. classroom to boardroom. But I don't coach people outside of classroom to boardroom because I poured my heart and soul and knowledge into that course. And so many of the things that I might coach someone on is in that course it's for a course, much better yeah. value, right? And so <laughs> when I'm coaching people, I need them to have done the course to know that baseline stuff. Um, so it's funny. I'm always reminding everyone at the coaching sessions, we have one tonight, make sure you're doing your coursework. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Work. Do the coursework. Yeah. You got to do the work. You have got to do the work. Yeah. So we talk um, in classroom to boardroom about soft skills versus hard skills. So soft skills are, the, um, gosh, I'm trying to think, well, hard skills are a lot more of like, what are the technical things that you can do? What are the, um, so like, I'm actually going to read the definition that I have okay. put in here. So hard skills are related to specific technical knowledge and training while soft skills are personality traits, such as leadership, communication, or time management. That was much better than me trying to put the words together. I just read right off the <laughs> definition. So talk to me for you in your role what soft skills are really required for you in your role? And then go ahead and share the hard skills as well. Sure. So the soft skills are really the same as they would have been in teaching or anywhere else. Excellent communication, time management, stress management, tact. um, All those are really important. And the hard skills are, you know, they're technical. I work for a coding company. So, you know, I'm learning JavaScript trying to (laughs) video editing and creation beyond what I used to do, Uh building animations um, and deepening my knowledge of K to six curriculum, you know, even more than I had in the classroom. I really find it's interesting that you were used the word tact. Um, Yeah. I think I see most educators when they reach out to me, and I'm specifically talking about educators that aren't in our program, but that are reaching out to me on LinkedIn or commenting on job posts and things. You need to have tact in everything you're doing on social media. You do. And And professionalism. Yes. Professional and tactful. Because it's really interesting. Some people I'm like, I think someone made a a joke once that I sound like Santa Claus. Like I have my (laughs) naughty and nice list. I'm going to admit to everyone, like I have a list of people where in the certain communications that they've had to me, I thought, mm, I would not feel comfortable recommending this person to a company. Um, yeah. But like, you just have to watch how you are communicating. And yeah. I will say, I do think that might be one of the biggest shifts for teachers is that kind of more professional culture. Yeah. That you're going into when you leave mm-hmm. the classroom. Classroom communication, yes, it's professional. You're talking to parents, you're talking to students, you're talking to colleagues, but there is a more kind of professional uh, dialect that goes on. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And the language is different. You know, the words are different. Um, now, I've worked in a small school, but yeah, definitely it's different. 
It's hard to even explain that. I'm not probably articulating the best I really could, but. Well, my company is fully remote. And so it was a challenge at the beginning to figure out what's the right level, Mm -hmm. you know, of communication, what's going to be too much and interrupt someone's day, what's going to be not enough and they have questions. So there's that. And then of people's time, right? Yeah, yeah, being very aware of people's time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and letting go of slang or any kind of lingo associated with school, because it's not the same environment anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Sorry, I was just reflecting on that. I mean, it's just something we haven't really talked about a ton on the podcast, and I'm actually writing myself a note to maybe delve a little bit deeper on this topic, um, at another time. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So any advice, final advice you have for teachers who are looking to transition, um, really specifically into an education company? Well, I said it at the beginning, get a passion project, something that you genuinely are excited to do. Also don't just sort of go, okay, what, what can I do to fill my resume? Yeah. Find something you're interested in that you can be excited about and do it. Um, you might get paid for that. You might not. Uh, depends, I suppose. And make sure that you're using skills that are new to you. So if the project is just what you currently do in the classroom, you're not expanding your scope. So I would say that. Have a mentor or a network of people. I mean, that's key no matter what you're doing in your life. You got to bounce ideas off people. Yep. And then I said this earlier too, put in the time and effort. I had a full-time job and I was spending 15 to 20 hours a week on my job search at the end. I, every day, every morning before school, that's where I was. Um, And then only apply in a very, this worked for me, only apply in a very targeted way and keep track of who you're applying to. I used a Google sheet, but you could use a paper list or whatever. Um, Oh, I guess I didn't quite apply to 10 or 11. I guess I applied to nine. Okay. Um, But everything had a customized resume and letter, everything. I never sent the same resume twice. Yeah. And that works. I in put the time into your resume. Yeah. Yeah. Put the time when someone opens your resume, it should scream, I spent a lot of time on this. Exactly. And I value you and I've looked enough into your company. Yes. To have something to say. I well, need and that's to why you got say. through the interview process. I mean, you got through several rounds with several companies. I did. I got to the second round and the third round with four different companies. Like some were second round, some were third before yeah. Code HS. Yeah. Yeah. And well, Cindy, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was going to say, which sounds kind of, might sound sad to people, but it was kind of a win for me. I mean, one of the jobs I was disappointed I didn't get, <laughs> two of them, but you know, every time you can get to the next level, it's good practice. Yes. I mean, I feel like I'm constantly telling people when they don't move on, I'm like, that was the best practice. You just upskilled so much going through that process. Mm-hmm. And the next one, you're going to be even better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just on a coaching call yesterday. No, Sunday, I jumped on a coaching call with one of our students. She was going into one of these, it's kind of this new style of interviewing where you're pre, you're recording yourself, 
no one's there interviewing you live. Like you go into a portal and you okay. answer questions. So I was coaching her up and we worked a lot on her, how she looked on camera, how she was presenting herself. We kind of tore apart her answers and I was really not nitpicking her answers, but I was helping mm-hmm. her zoom out and looking at like the big objective of this whole interview. Mm-hmm. She was so nervous. So she told me, okay, I submitted them and um, I don't think I did great. I did. I followed all your advice, but you know, I went over here, blah, blah, blah. And I, I said to her, you no matter what happens, whatever the outcome, you should feel so proud of yourself because the amount of growth you just had prepping for this yeah. interview will help you in the next one. And then I got an email yesterday. Actually, in one hour, she'll be going into her second interview. So it worked. Um, for her. Yes. And so I do agree. Like whether it's me, whether it's your classroom to boardroom community, whether you're in another community with another coach, find people that are going to cheer you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And help you when you do get rejected because, because you're going to get rejected. You mm-hmm. will. It's yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. okay. I want to know your final thoughts or piece of advice. Uh, so for me, it is uh, never too late <laughs> and you are never too old. As long as you are continuing to upskill and you are willing to put the work in, anything is possible. I agree. Cindy, thank you so much for taking your time to be here today. I loved hearing your voice. I've missed you. Um, And I'm sure I'll be seeing you at some of our alumni lunches, virtual lunches that we're putting together. But thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And thank you. This has been great. I look forward to talking to you again. Well, everyone, this is it for this episode of Classroom to Boardroom. Before you hit the pause button and move on to your next podcast, whatever you're going to listen to next, I want to remind you that I put so much content out there for free and paid at carryconover.com, my brand new beautiful website that I put my heart and soul into. Go over there and read the blogs and take notes and take a look at Classroom to Boardroom because I think it might be able to really help you out. But until next time, my friends, hang in there and you've got this. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Classroom to Boardroom podcast.